Dear Christian friends, you know how I picked out which section of Scripture I was going to preach on this morning? Well, mindful of the fact that, that today was kickoff Christian Education Sunday, kind of the opportunity where the summer is drawing to a close and we're trying to refocus our attention uh, on what is important, on making growing closer to Jesus a priority in our lives, I, I looked at all of the lessons and I figured uh, I should probably pick the most depressing one. That'll get them pumped up and excited uh, to be more deeply connected to their Savior Jesus. So not surprisingly, I picked the most depressing lesson from Ecclesiastes. Well, it's not quite how it worked, although it does come across that way, doesn't it, as you heard our first lesson from Ecclesiastes, which, which is a word that just means teacher. But as you heard that lesson, you probably would agree with me that that's probably not the type of lesson that's going to be read at a, a pep rally anytime soon, right? But it is kind of discouraging. But there's a reason for that. Because the writer, Solomon, is trying to make a point. And that point is that God is the one who really gives value and meaning to anything and everything in life. Without Him, apart from Him, well, as, as Solomon wrote, everything is meaningless. Now think about that for a moment. Who wrote those words? Solomon wrote, everything is meaningless. Do you suppose the impact of these verses would be different for you if, for example, the man who is parked on the intersection panhandling or the homeless man who is pushing a cart that carries all of his earthly possessions if one of those individuals had expressed everything is meaningless? Well, I'm guessing that wouldn't impact you very much, would it? Because you would say, well, duh, he doesn't have really all that much to get excited about. I can understand somebody in that situation would be drawing the conclusion that life is meaningless because he doesn't seem to have much in this life. But it wasn't a panhandler or a homeless man who wrote those words. In fact, quite the opposite. The wisest man who walked the earth, also considered to be the wealthiest man, is the individual who wrote those words. And now, when you consider that, suddenly... He's got our attention, doesn't he? For somebody whose mind was filled with wisdom and whose vaults were filled with wealth, to draw the conclusion that everything is meaningless, well, now, now I'm listening. So what is it that, that led Solomon to come to that conclusion? It's generally understood that, that he wrote these words later on in his life as as the day of his, his death, his last breath, was closer than the day of his birth. And that afforded Solomon the opportunity to, to look back and reflect on his life. To be very well aware that the Lord had, had blessed him with enough wealth to do anything that he wanted. He, he wanted to buy something. He didn't have to check his bank account to see if there was enough in the funds. He simply bought it. He had more women and more wealth than anybody could dream of. And yet, as he's reflecting near the end of his life, he's not bragging or boasting about all of that, but rather lamenting at how worthless all of it was apart from 
his relationship with God. May I speak on, on that word for just a moment? Relationship? I know if, especially you're a guy here, that's not really the most comfortable term we like to use in terms of uh, our connection to God, a relationship. Guys don't do relationships except maybe our girlfriend or our wife, but we kind of shy away from those words. And yet, here's the reality. The deeper your relationship is with God, the more value and meaning you will attach to life. If, if you were here last Sunday, you heard that same truth come about as we talked about prayer. The more deeply connected you are to Jesus, the deeper your relationship with Jesus is, the more regular and natural is your prayer life. And it's the same today as well as we talk about a relationship or a connection with God. The more connected we are to Him, the more value and meaning we attach to our life in general. Why is that? Well, I think it comes down at least in, in part to gratitude. Think of a time that, or hypothetically, that, that, that you actually received a, a gift that was something you, you just absolutely loved from an anonymous person. The gift itself was something that, that you were so ecstatic about. You loved the gift just because of the gift. Now, imagine how, how different it is when you find out who gave you that gift. You love the gift as it stood on its own just because of, of the gift, right? But now your appreciation is taken to a whole new level when you know who gave you that gift. Why? It hasn't changed the gift, but now that you know the person who gave it to you, on top of the sheer joy attached to that gift, now you know that somebody thought so highly of you, somebody was thinking you were so special to give you that gift. And I'll apply that to our relationship with God. To know that we came into this world absolutely hopeless and helpless, not just because of our sin, but literally as an infant, hopeless and helpless on our own. We deserve nothing. We are entitled to nothing in this world. And when we recognize that everything that we have is, is not just a gift, but we know who has given us that gift, it takes our appreciation and our value to those, for those gifts to a whole new level, doesn't it? And of course, there is no greater gift that your gracious God has given to you than the innocent criminal nailed between two convicted convicts. Those two criminals deserved what they got. Your Savior Jesus did not. And you have value and significance not because of all the stuff that God has given to you in this life, but because God Himself gave Himself to you. And that is how much He treasures and loves you. And I want to acknowledge that, that there are possibly some people here this morning joining us, whether from the way or just as a guest, that maybe you're not there yet. Maybe the stuff of Scripture, the stories of Jesus, maybe it's fables, fairy tales. Maybe that's where you're at. But here's the reality of it. Jesus really lived. Jesus really died. Jesus really rose from the dead. And He did all of that for you. Like it or not, believe it or not, it happened. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. Jesus suffered hell for you. And Jesus opened heaven for you. And because of that, 
God treasures you not just because of what he's given you from a day-to-day basis, but because he gave himself to you. Back to, to Solomon. Solomon recognized something as he was near the end of his life. Not only did he have an opportunity to, to reflect back, to look to the past, but as he was nearing the end, he also looked to the future, didn't he? And what he recognized discouraged him. Let me read those, those verses again. He says, starting in verse 18, he says, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave it all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. Tell me that that does not speak to our culture in the United States of America. All of the the labor, the work, the effort that Solomon put into his life, and now he realizes, what's the point? I have to leave it to somebody else, and I have zero influence on how it is going to be managed or cared for. All of my wealth that I accumulated, all of the plans that I had made, all of the capital improvements that I made, I have no control over what's going to happen to it when I'm gone. Think of how that speaks to us in a culture that values work above all else. We work and we work and we work. We run ourselves ragged, working far more than we should, even though it means that we are sacrificing our family, our health, and even our faith at times. But we justify it because everybody's doing it. Everybody is marching to the same tune of work harder and hustle. And because nobody bothers to or is brave enough to change the tune, we all wallow in the worship of work. And Solomon says, how utterly meaningless... So ask yourself a question. What are you working for? Why are you working so hard? What is the goal? What are you trying to achieve in life? That's the wrong question to answer because that question pertains to an answer that is going to, in some vein or another, amount to stuff. And stuff, well, it's just stuff. You might enjoy it today for 10 minutes and get tired of it, but it's going to be gone eventually. Moths and and rust will destroy it. it. It's stuff that might bring you pleasure momentarily, but it's not going to last eternally. It, it's stuff that you are working overtime, constantly trying to make sure that your, your boss is paying attention and recognizing your efforts so that somebody else can point to your achievements so that you can stay ahead of everybody else and, and climb the corporate ladder. Work hard so that you can get more stuff. It's the wrong question to be asking. What are you working for? The right question is who are you working for? Because when the answer to that question is Jesus, 
it completely shifts your paradigm on life. You can be at peace in the workplace. It's not a dog-eat-dog world. You don't have to complain about your job. You can be grateful for the gift of a job that, that Jesus gave you. You don't have to craw and gra- claw and grab and do whatever it takes to get ahead of your coworkers. You don't have to make sure that you are the one who, who gets the awards and the recognition and the achievements hoping for, for a promotion or to get paid a little bit more. You can simply be at peace knowing who you're working for, knowing that you put in a, a hard day's work and God is satisfied with that. Why? Not because of the work that you did, but because in Jesus, He is satisfied with you. Doesn't that, that change things in life to ask that question, who are you working for? And when that is properly understood, that, that we don't work for this world, but for the world to come, the one who has opened that door to us, then actually here's the, the icing on the cake, so to speak. We actually enjoy this life even more. And that's what Solomon was getting at in the later part of, of these verses. 24, he said, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Solomon recognized, Solomon who had everything, recognizes that to enjoy all of it is from the hand of God. Solomon who had everything recognizes that God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness to the man, to the woman who pleases him. Now that might grab your attention. How can we please God? You can't. There's not a thing that you can do on your own that is pleasing to God. And yet... God in His grace says that He is perfectly pleased with you through faith in Jesus. He sees your perfect record. He sees no stain of sin. He sees a pleasing and perfect life. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Therefore, the correlation is that the only way that we can please God is through faith in the one He has given to us, Jesus. And when we have Jesus as our greatest treasure, everything is meaningful. So on this Christian Education Sunday, as we focus our attention on on the ways that, that we can deepen that connection with Jesus through our Bible study, through devotion, through worship, formally and informally, and of course, as our elementary school starts later this week, We rejoice in all of those opportunities God gives to us, not because through them He turns out better people, but through them He focuses our attention on the one who matters most, Jesus. Not the stuff of this world, but the one who has promised us a home in heaven. And when Jesus is our greatest treasure, when when He is the one that we are, are working for, nothing is meaningless and everything is meaningful. Amen.